All right, welcome back or welcome to the Defining Endurance Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Simmons, and this is episode four of five of our Layers of Fitness podcast, and this time we're talking all about decorating that cake. If you have not been following along, I highly encourage you guys to go back to episode one. This is uh, my way of explaining kind of how fitness all comes together for race day and breaking down the different pieces, everything from the basic ingredients all the way on to baking that cake. And now we're decorating that cake. And I left you guys off kind of with the analogy that, uh, you know, even though we have cooked that cake, um, it still looks like a couple pieces of dough. It has not really become a cake yet. Um, that dough may be cooked, uh, but we've got to do some finishing touches to really make this thing come together. Um, you can do a pretty darn good job of racing. Um, and I highly encourage actually all of you guys to do races in your buildup, but understand that you're not completely cooked. And so if those races are a slight underperformance or you're going into those races, um, maybe a little bit fatigued, you're not taking the time off or tapering down into them, then you should not expect to have a performance. Now, if you do have a performance that you're really, really happy with, that might tell you that there's more in that tank and uh, the cake that you've baked is maybe going to exceed your expectations uh, when it all comes together. But there are really, you know, kind of to me, four things um, that that really indicate, um, you know, fitness, but really kind of put the finishing touches, kind of the decorating the cake, uh, if you will. And that is nailing down uh, specifically hydration. We'll talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk about day of uh, nutrition and kind of what we're looking for there and how do we get to uh, a place uh, and know that we are actually hitting our nutritional demands. Three, specific long runs. These things kind of actually all kind of line up together. If you're new to my style of training or have never been coached by me, one of the things that I really lean on is specific endurance long runs. Uh, and I'll talk about that in this episode as well as race pace sessions. Um, and so this is not, again, um, you know, all together one big thing. These are four separate items. Um, and one of the things that I think is super important here is that I talk in these episodes mostly about the marathon because most of the athletes that I work with are marathoners. But the reality is, is that understanding nutrition, hydration, you know, specific endurance, as well as race pace sessions, that is important. Everything from the 800 meter all the way up to the ultra marathon. And when you hit ultras and you're starting to think about 100K, 100 mile, you know, race pace sessions um, actually become um, not quite as important because that pace isn't as demanding. We're actually not getting much, uh, if at all, outside of uh, our aerobic threshold. Like realistically for 100 miles, even beyond, you know, the 50 mile distance, you're not really going to be touching outside of zone two. And so what we are looking at there is more of your ability to keep moving. Time on feet is race pace in those longer distances. When we start to get fast and really fast and then super fast, say the 400 and the 800, what we are really looking at here is you know, economy, we're talking about um, speed endurance, the ability to maintain a high level of speed. Now we're talking races that are usually inside 10 minutes on in, in this, you know, hyper, you know, fast, fast stuff. But, you know, if your hydration is off, if your nutrition is off, 
if you're coming into that fast, fast race uh, with some work in your legs, so to speak, that is all still going to have an impact. And so these four things are hyper important no matter you're going really fast for a short amount of time or very long for a very long amount of time. And so I talk about the marathon here because it's the middle. It's the middle of most of my listeners. Um, And it's a common ground by majority of the people that listen to this podcast. You guys have run a marathon. You guys understand the demands of the distance. You understand that you're going to be out there for three to four hours. And so all of these things kind of come back into being able to talk about calories per hour, you know, fluid ounces per hour and the demands therein. And so let's jump in and actually we're going to kind of get specific today. We're going to talk about some specific, um, you know, things to hit some specific workouts that I like to do in buildups. Um, and so what I want you guys to understand here is that there is a bit of this that is very callous and that, um, you know, a lot of athletes will think, Oh, I can go. And if I can do this run or this workout without water or nutrition, um, you know, then I will have, I'll be better adapted. Um, and the reality is, is that, that, that way of thinking, um, is really something that I think is, um, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be really blunt. I think it's, it's a very, very silly way of looking, um, you know, starving yourself and, uh, under hydrating, uh, can lead to some really major problems. Um, but you know, first and foremost, the biggest issue there is you're handicapping your recovery, like right off the jump, you put your body into a deep caloric deficit. Um, you know, that is not a great way to look at, you know, training. Uh, and even if you're like, oh, well, I'll lose a bunch of weight. Well, the reality is, is that you're actually going to start to cannibalize muscle, um, and use that to power you, uh, when your, you know, (laughs) glycogen reserves are shot because you haven't trained your body to do that. Now we could talk real, you know, uh, real, real in depth about, you know, ketogenics and all of those things. Um, but the more research that comes out, carb carbs are king. They are everything. You've probably seen new things from, uh, you know, companies like Morton. Uh, one of my favorite products, um, is, uh, scratch labs. It's their, um, high carbohydrate. I think they call it super fuel. They may have a new name for it these days. Um, but I think seven scoops is 400 calories and it completely dissolves, uh, into a 16 or 20 ounce bottle. Now that is a very, very potent, amount of calories. And, uh, these super starches that they're using, um, these are cluster dextrins. These are going to be things that are, uh, absolutely man-made. Um, but they are high performance fuels. These are things that are both going to hydrate you, uh, because they are in liquid format, uh, as well as, um, the amount of water that they're using for each, um, you know, I guess each dose that you can think of each time you take a sip, um, that is perfectly designed to be extremely digestible and easy on the gut. Um, and they have found that these specific, uh, cluster dextrins, these kind of super starches, if you will, um, have the least amount of propensity to create issues in the gut. Whereas when we think about training with specific fuels, um, different, uh, 
different sugars. Uh, so sugars uh, commonly end in OSE, like lactose, sucrose, um, you know, those types of sugars, uh, just depending on what kind of athlete you are, how you've trained, um, and also just, you know, if you have a sensitive stomach, those sugars, um, you know, whether that is in goo or it's in, um, you know, different kinds of gels, however you want to think about it, those can be absolutely, you know, chaotically destructive to someone's stomach. Um, and if you are also not good at fueling, one of the big things to understand about fueling early on um, is that if you are doing work where you are doing it over threshold, threshold, that aerobic threshold especially, what happens is when you start to get above threshold, your body is moving blood away from the gut. And when it moves blood away from the gut, there are a couple things that happen. One, digestion slows. Uh, and so that is why we often lead into using things that are very liquid in format um, or are by majority digestible in the upper intestine because the lower intestine demands more time more blood, uh, and the ability to have gut motility, think, be able to move that around. Well, how do we think we, we move things around? We have to have blood. And so things that require a lot of blood to digest are usually more complex. Things that are complex, fats and proteins. And so this is why if you've had a high protein meal or a protein shake um, or, you know, something fattier, um, you know, before you go out, you get that lethargic feeling or you get that like rock in your stomach feeling um, because it's sitting there. Now, you take that combination, um, and if you are a poor responder to sugar uh, and those OSEs, those um, you know, really hyper you know, uh, sugars, like think of, uh, say, a green apple has um, you know, a lot of sugar, or maybe you are mildly lactose intolerant, that lactose that's in sugar, that the, or excuse me, the sugar that's in milk, that can actually, uh, if you got to think of it, it's not getting the extra blood flow it needs to be broken down and you're already bad at breaking it down. Um, and so what happens there is that starts to build up gas. Gas comes up and you might get that burpy feeling or worse yet, it's basically hits the evac button uh, from everything down below it and everything on your insides want to become outsides and you get the trots and you're having a really bad day. And so, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when we talk about nutrition is that what you are doing needs to be tested. And so I encourage people that are new to marathoning or even going into a cycle and say, gosh, my nutrition isn't where I want it to be. The first thing I tell people to do is figure out what works. And that means going out for your long run uh, early on in the cycle and actually eating. You may not need, for some of us, uh, you know, 10, 12 miles. You may not need to eat maybe more than once. I encourage athletes, if you're going to do something that is an hour or longer, yes, I do want you to eat during that. If, and that should be at about 45 minutes. And you're saying, really, I'm going to eat for 15 more minutes of activity. And it's not about eating to finish the run. You shouldn't be eating just to finish the run and be like, okay, I made it through. It's, it's more about starting to teach your body, um, you know, how to use onboard glycogen sources, right? So think of it as you are coming into a workout or a race with a certain amount of glycogen in your legs that you have, um, you know, from all of the food that you've eaten. A big tip I give people is to actually eat their dinner 
earlier, um, the night before a race, um, just because you're going to shift that schedule back. None of us get up and, you know, plan to race at five, six, seven AM. Um, and we don't often practice that every single day. Some of you that are early morning runners might, um, but the reality is, um, you know, we need to shift that back. So everything else, you know, how, uh, how food moves through our body and things like that, getting in that PRD is super, super important. No one wants to feel that in a run. Uh, and so kind of shifting that back allows your body to kind of play catch up so that you're, you're feeling good before you go out and race, but what you eat before impacts how much glycogen is in your legs. And you want to be able to try and extend that glycogen as late into the race as possible. And the way that you are able to use both onboard glycogen, but also intake, you know, glucose glycogen, um, right. We go through uh, gluconeogenesis. We do a whole episode, um, you know, all about how we break down food into fuel. Um, this is actually in the biology of fatigue episode. I want to say that somewhere in the seventies, but either way, um, what, what we're diving into here is that fueling is a part of training. And so you first have to figure out a, what works. I like to use liquid calories um, uh, when I race and train. And that may mean, yes, I have to carry a water bottle in my hand for a half marathon or things like that. Um, or even carry like a, a, a bag of powder with me in my, in my belt when I run. Um, but I also tend to do really well with cliff blocks. And the reason that I like something like cliff blocks or small dose things like scratch chews and things like that um, is that I can give myself a small but continuous amount of fuel. Uh, my stomach does not do well with large amounts of fuel, uh, in terms of like a whole gel or things like that. Um, and that's a personal thing. Uh, the only way that I can get at a large amount of calories in a very small amount is that scratch super fuel. And, uh, my experimentation with it has been really successful. And so what I try to target, um, is I have actually moved myself from like 125 calories an hour upwards to like 200 to 250 calories an hour. You will see some professional trail runners as well as marathoners are four, five, up to, you know, 600 calories, um, in the span of 60 to 80 minutes. And that is a lot. That is a lot for your stomach to process. And that also demands, if we go back to what we talked about earlier, that you're not above your aerobic threshold. We're not seeing those kind of numbers, um, in a 5k. They don't need to fuel for a 5k. You start to think about a half marathon, a marathon and beyond, that is when calories per hour becomes king. If it's especially strenuous, teaching your body how to take in those calories becomes a part of training. You are also training your gut to manage those things. And so that's where we start to get into what I talked about earlier on specific endurance. When we think hydration, I like to tell people the general rule is an ounce per mile, 20 mile long run, 20 ounces of water perfect at 45 to 55 degrees. Awesome. And you may find that you like more, but if it starts to get beyond that 55 degree mark, we look at an ounce and a half to two. If it's very, very hot, it's three plus. Uh, it's just a lot. It's a lot for your body to push through, but you're also sweating a lot. And as you sweat, one of the other things to really consider here is electrolytes. Um, and part of the reason people get cramps 
is that electrolytes, right? When we, we oversaturate, get too much water in us and not enough electrolytes, uh, or we lose too many electrolytes and we are in a, a hydrated to underhydrated state, what happens is, uh, right, electro, right? We have nerve impulses. Those are electrical things. When that mixture gets off, that's when we start to get cramps. Things kind of seize up. Things feel weird. We get puffy. Uh, things get off when we get our electrolytes out of balance. Our body does a really great job, mostly, mostly pushing out sodium, but there is a whole spectrum of what we call electrolytes. Um, you know, these things can include things like magnesium, chlorine, all of these different things. And so whether it's something, uh, if you find that you're a heavy sweater, someone that has salt lines on your hat or on your shirt, uh, after an hour and a half, two hour run, uh, you need to supplement your electrolytes. You can preload a little bit, um, you know, maybe take a salt stick before you start your race. Um, but you know, during you should absolutely take, uh, electrolytes. Um, and you may not get enough just from going every other cup being electrolytes on race day. Um, I encourage athletes to go one cup water, one cup electrolytes and switch off each aid station. Um, and this is a great way to uh, maintain a good balance. But if you are a heavy sweater, then you are going to need to supplement electrolytes. Hard stop. So again, let's bring this together. We talked about trying to work from anywhere from 125 to 200 plus calories an hour. At a minimum, we're working at an ounce per mile that we're training. When we get beyond that, that is kind of our baseline. What are we actually shooting for then? What we're shooting for is not finishing our long, hard workouts, like 16, 18, 20 mile long runs, feeling absolutely shattered. We need to finish those things feeling strong, which means to not get lazy in the later portions of your workout and say, oh God, I don't want to eat another thing because I'm almost done. The reality is, is that if you continue to maintain and be fueled your whole workout, your recovery is going to be better. And there is no checks and balances when it comes to hydrating and fueling enough. At the end of the day, um, you know, no one, no one got fat and, you know, completely blew their entire race weight plan uh, going into a race because of race fuel. The reality is, is that you have a hot engine burning and it is burning long after you are done training. You are still going to need to refuel and have a full meal within 90 minutes to two hours to make sure that your recovery is on point. So to bring this all together, where do we do this testing? Well, you have your options to do day to day. If you are running more than an hour a day, um, you know, or training more than an hour a day, you need to be fueling your workouts um, and need to be eating within there. A great episode we have with Yuri Carlson, uh, U-R-I, um, spells Yuri. Um, she talks a lot about using real food uh, during our training days. And then when we are talking about portable food uh, during racing, we want to practice that during specific endurance runs. Now, specific endurance runs focus primarily on hitting either goal heart rate or goal pace for an extended amount of time. You know, I like to do a couple workouts, three by 5K, you know, four by 20 minutes, um, and integrating those, um, even sessions as long as eight, 10 to 12 miles at marathon pace. Um, and that is our chance to do all of the testing. I encourage athletes to wear their race shoes, their singlet, their shorts, their sports bras, you know, like, you know, lube up your thighs, your feet, all of those things like you're going to wear on race day, because this is your chance to test not only your fitness, but a chance to test the kit, 
the nutrition and the hydration plan. Do it over a course that is going to be similar to what you're going to be racing. Being able to go out and do your race, um, you know, on a flat course and testing your nutrition on a flat course when you're racing a, a hilly race like Flying Pig or Pittsburgh, um, you know, that isn't going to lead to uh, a good beta test because those hills are going to increase your heart rate. And so you've got to figure out, do you, do you fuel before? Do you fuel after the hill? What works best for your body? And so it's important that you test these things. This is that pressure test of, okay, yep, I can do 200 calories an hour um, or I can do 150 and I consistently did 150 for this two to two and a half hour session and I feel fueled at the end of it. Or you may get to the end of it and go, man, I, I, I don't know if I could go another 40 minutes, another 50 minutes, another hour, hour and a half at this output and effort, even though I'm tired and I'm not coming in with full glycogen stores, I didn't taper for this workout, you need to be able to finish and say that is reasonably possible. I feel fueled and I feel ready. If not, you need to adjust the plan. It may be a particularly hot day. Well, guess what? You've got to be able to adapt. What if that day picks up heat later? And so one of the biggest factors when it comes to nutrition and hydration is the temperature and the, uh, I guess, the conditions that you're going to be racing in. Um, you know, when you are racing in hot conditions, it's not just more hydration. You need more fuel. Your body is trying to keep you cool. You don't have an internal AC that's sweating. And so you have to increase the hydration, but you also have to increase the calories. Now, when it's really cold, the body doesn't want to drink a lot. It doesn't want to, um, you know, hydrate, but you still need to do it. But when it gets cold, cold, guess what? We still have to keep the calories up. So the number one thing you can do is learn how to train that gut and be able to have a comfortable range and know I can do two gels in, you know, 75 minutes. I tell athletes, ideally you're eating, you know, inside that calories per hour goal, but that may mean roughly a gel every 35 to 45 minutes. Um, talked with an athlete recently um, that is trying to break that, that three hour mark. They went three hours in like 20 seconds uh, and just said that they faded in that last little bit. Um, but knowing the training that they did, they were fit for 257. Now the pacing initially was too aggressive. Um, and so we go back to that load capacity issue of uh, episode three. Uh, and uh, yeah, load met capacity. And uh, they, they got a little overdone. Uh, but they, they told me oh, it felt reasonably possible still. I just, my energy faded. I'm like, oh, well, what if they had fueled more in miles 16, 18, 20? what was that next six miles going to be like? When you get tired, your brain stops wanting to function and you, you start to become disengaged, but you've got to stick with your fueling plan. Now, when I talked about it, I talked about three by 5K, um, you know, four by 10 minutes, three by 20 minutes, you know, getting up to about an hour at that goal race pace is good enough for the majority of athletes we start to get into, you know, sub three hours, sub 240, um, you're able to handle more. And so that is when we're going to continue to refine that plan. Um, and so what I, what I 
ultimately I'm bringing together that as we kind of decorate this cake, these are the important pieces, uh, you know, hydration, nutrition, specific endurance runs, race pace sessions. And so inside of a session, if you are in 90 minutes, like most of my workouts training for an upcoming half have been about 90 minutes. I absolutely fuel during those sessions. You know, I'm going to have, I cut a banana into five pieces put it on the treadmill with me and I make about a 200 calorie bottle. Um, and I start drinking that bottle before during my warm up, about my 20 minute warm up, um, And before I go into like, say a 35 to 45 minute tempo, this is a hard tempo. This is right at threshold, pretty uncomfortable, but I know that I have to fuel so that I can run. This is a progression run. So doing a 30 minute progression run where maybe the last five minutes is close to 5K, 10K pace, you are in the pocket for 35 to 45 minutes, you are working at what feels almost like a race. You are going to need to fuel aggressively. So I also take about every, you know, seven to nine minutes, one little piece of banana. I couldn't tell you how many calories it really is, but it's a small one bite size thing. And I am working on not only chewing, but it's a relatively low calorie, but it's got potassium and it's got good electrolytes. Um, and it's something that's mushy and easy to, to chew. Um, and this is a way of me just putting something that has volume in my stomach that is not just liquids, something that is real food. And this is part of me training my gut for race day, uh, whether I'm gonna use a Martin, a Cliff, a Scratch or whatever. Um, this way, my body is used to having to work through not just liquid calories. Um, and this this is something that I do every Tuesday and Friday. If I'm doing a specific endurance run on a Sunday, I am going to, you know, hopefully, you know, my wife has been awesome in the past when training for marathons. She'll ride alongside me uh, for some of these, you know, harder runs and she'll hand me a water bottle. She'll hand me my fuel and I've just got to kind of zone out and focus solely on hitting the splits that I need to hit uh, and, and making sure that that workout is successful. But I also know when I need to fuel, I'm looking at my watch saying, okay, it's been 30 minutes. Uh, am I feeling hungry? What are the things that are happening? And so these race pace sessions are not just uh, your long runs. Race pace sessions could be those longer tempos, could be seven by a K, it could be, you know, um, faster than race pace, five by 800 and seven, 150, something like that, where you're doing VO2 max work and you are going to really, you know, check that, that glycogen level in your legs. You are going to work your aerobic system, but your legs are also going to be make, you know, they need to come in fueled. So if you're constantly hitting, you know, and struggling to hit workouts later in the cycle, you know, you need to fuel more. There's probably more mileage and more demand on your legs later in the cycle. Uh, if you've done a progressive load, we talked about progressive overload in episode three, as you get more mileage and you get more total load, those workouts are getting big and very dense. You're going to have to fuel during those sessions. So just making sure you're fueling your workouts, um, you know, I will make sure that in the morning that uh, if I'm going to eat something that's fatty or protein uh, dense, like if I'm going to have, you know, two or three eggs on sourdough, I'm going to have that two hours before I eat. Uh, that's going to give me enough time to process the protein and the fat that's uh, all in there. If I'm going to have, if I don't have that amount of time, I got to get my workout in right away. I'm going to go to Simple Carbs. Uh, I really like Scratch's Rice Krispie Treats uh, as well as their bars. Um, I won't do a protein bar. I will do a bar that's um, going to have more... Um 
you know, of a, of a true carbohydrate content into it. Uh, maybe something as simple as a pretty dry cereal or very, very, very light, uh, nut milk, something like that. Um, and that way, um, you know, I'm getting, you know, by majority carbohydrates that I know I'm going to use. And then I can start to supplement in maybe that, that, you know, 200 to 300 calorie bottle of scratch super fuel, um, you know, just before I get into the main set of my workout. Um, and so some of these fueling strategies are really important to making sure that you feel good and you have a consistent feeling and you feel like you're in a really good groove. You're not spiking. You're not like, woof, I'm really light in the head. And I feel like I've got too much sugar. We've all felt that kind of that, uh, caffeine anxiety can kind of kick in there if you're pretty caffeine sensitive, but you also get that light in the head feeling, um, when you are, uh, you you need some glucose, your body's like kind of, you're bonking basically. Um, and, um, you know, you're, you're, it's kind of what's experienced, uh, at times, um, by athletes um, that might be type one diabetic um, and their blood sugar gets low. And so you are in need of glucose. And so that may be a good time to stop, grab something more to eat, but you don't wanna hit these, these peaks and troughs. You're trying to keep your blood glucose in a very even level. Um, I've used super sapiens before I've tried continuous glucose monitors and you know, a lot of the fueling strategies that I've developed for my athletes, you know, come at the backing of consistent fueling and consistently taking in calories and high glucose calories is important um, and is usually the best way to get success on race day. So with that said, some of the people in here are going to go, well, what about longer than? Um, don't I need more complex fuels and proteins? The reality is absolutely you do. And as long as you're staying underneath that aerobic threshold, you can kind of eat whatever fits your fancy. Um, I, you know, in pacing athletes for 200 miles, um, you know, I have eaten as well as watched them eat hash browns and eggs and pancakes and sausage and bacon and all of those things at aid stations. But we're not then going through the aid station and running out of there. By majority, we are going to fast walk until we feel like everything's digested. And then we're going to get back into our run, making sure that everything's digested. Now, burping, farting, all of those things are telling us that some things are happening. It's called digestion. Those are good things. If we start throwing up out there, um, normally we see a lot of uh, throwing up as a response to heat. Um, you know, it's just your body uh, is trying to cool down and all of that blood is going to the gut. It's really unhappy. It's trying to process all that food and out it goes. And often you feel a, a quite a bit of relief. But after that, you have to first focus on hydration and rehydrating the body. You know, if you've had diarrhea or you've thrown up in some of these longer races, you are losing by majority a good bit of that water. Um, and so you have to both not just hydrate with water, but get your electrolytes back into balance. And then you can start giving yourself those calories back. Um, and so those are, those are kind of when things go bad. Uh, that's kind of the fight gone bad scenario. Um, and what we have to do is that if we're, we find ourselves in faster races, struggling to keep things down or we're throwing up, that is the rare time that I've seen people put too many calories in and they're not able to process them. Um, and they're kind of flooding their body with calories or water. Um, and so again, what's really important here is that you have a plan that you go in with the goal of executing that alongside your pacing plan. 
So the last piece here, episode five, is, is about enjoying the cake. And how do we kind of pull all of this together to ensure that race day goes well? Um, and I, I think what's important here is talking about building a recipe of your own. That doesn't mean building your own training plan. We're actually going to talk a little bit about devising a mental strategy plan. How do we prepare for race day? How do we visualize it? How do we really dial that in? And then ultimately at the end of the day is how do we make it a celebration? How do we go out there and make this fun and allow ourselves to stay in what uh, we'll talk about a closed loop way of thinking. When we go open loop, that's when things can get a little crazy. Uh, and we start to think about, oh, you know, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? You know, like, uh, and you start to think about things outside of that. That is what we're going to dive into on episode five. For now, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have questions, shoot them to me on Instagram at Coach Simmons Runs, or you can personally send me an email at andrew at lifelongendurance.com with any questions that came up from this episode. And without further ado, I will see you guys next time.